Well, I think they took it. There's uh, no need for a sermon. I'll save you all the time. That was perfect for this journey of emotionally healthy spirituality that we're on. My name is Samuel Mock. I am the assistant pastor here at College of Presbyterian Church. If we've not met, welcome. And if we have met, it's good to see you here again. So today we're going to end our series, A Better Me. This series has focused on the reality, the undeniable reality that our emotions and our faith, our spirituality, are intertwined. The reality that our emotions can either push us away from God or that those same emotions can draw us to him. Through this series, we've looked at our insecurities, our feelings of loss, our feelings of past trauma, and realize that those things can bring about apathy, anger, hatred towards God and his people, or they can be a place where we take those emotions and those feelings to God in order to better love him and understand our emotions. But the reality is we cannot be emotionally healthy. Sorry, we cannot be spiritually mature if we're emotionally immature. Peter Scazzaro, the author of the book, Emotional Healthy Spirituality, that's what he says. You cannot be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And that's what this entire series has been focused on. So as we've gone through this series, we've talked about a lot of different things. And today, I was like, what better way to close it than to say, how do we gauge this? We're on this journey, but how do I know? Where am I on this journey? And there's a reality. There's not a, I'm either emotionally healthy or I'm emotionally unhealthy, but it's a spectrum that we're on. And so we need a gauge for it. And so I decided that today, as we looked through the scriptures, there's got to be a way to measure it. There's got to be a way to see where am I at in this journey. And the three things that I will give you are your posture, your priorities, and your perspective. Those are the three ways that we can measure where are we on this journey. Are we emotionally healthy and maturing in Christ? Or are we leaning towards emotional unhealth and our emotions are pushing us away from Christ? Let me pray for us this morning, and we'll dive into our scripture. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. Remove anything that would keep us from hearing your word. Lord, as we draw near to you and pursue Christ-likeness, help us to be authentically honest with you, God. Help us to be aware of ourselves. And help us to be marked by your incredible love for us. I pray this in your Holy Son, Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Our verses for the day are Luke 10, chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. You may have heard this parable before. It's called the Good Samaritan. I ask that you would see it anew with fresh eyes today. Follow along with me. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. 
You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and when he was attacked by robbers, and he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. As we look at this text, we see that this expert in the law, he's come to test Jesus. This word test is the same as uh, what the devil did to test Jesus. And what I notice is he's an expert in the law. He's not looking for an answer from Jesus because he wants to learn. He's looking for an answer from Jesus because he wants to see, am I smarter than Jesus? And I just wonder how often our posture can be the same. What is our posture before the Lord, before Jesus? Is it one of pride or is it one of humility? And um, I was so excited. She didn't have her book, so I was like, a young opportunist as myself, was like, well, we can become study buddies. We ended up hitting it off, and we began to date. And uh, I was really excited. I was at coffee with my disciple at the time, the pastor of my church. And I'm telling him all about this girl that I'm so excited to be in this new relationship with. And he's like, she sounds like a nice lady, but I have a question for you. I haven't heard you talk about her faith. Is she a Christian? And I said, well... She's not a Christian. She's actually an atheist. But I don't have a car. She has a car. She said she'll take me to church. So clearly she doesn't have a problem with Jesus. My posture was, you know, I know what the scripture says. I'm called to be equally yoked. And yet, I don't think that really applies to me. I thought I was smarter than Jesus. Our posture will also dictate how we respond to those around us. Are we teachable? And so my discipler and his wonderful, humble advice said, you know, we've been on this journey for a while. I know you know the scriptures. You know that I love you. Don't do this. This will be a mistake for you. She will lead you away from Christ. She doesn't love Christ, so how could she have his motives? And I was like, no, that's not true. 
you just don't understand. I would stop meeting with my disciple and I would begin to pursue this girl and be in a relationship with her for three years. And over that time, what happened was my desires shifted away from God and my desires would become her desires. I would begin to mirror her reality. And though I would have told you I'm a Christian, I did not live as a Christian. My emotions led me away from God instead of to him. Because I didn't know what to do with them. I was looking for intimacy and I'd found it in a place where I shouldn't have. And so my spirituality suffered. And so the question is, what is our posture before God? When we come to him, are we coming as humble servants, ready to learn? When we open a scripture that we've never seen before, do we open it and look at it the same way as a scripture that we've seen a hundred times? Saying, God, reveal something new to me in this scripture. I know I heard this when I was 10 years old. But you can do a new thing in me through our old scripture. Is that how we approach God? Is that how we approach his word, knowing that he is beyond time and incredibly wise? Or are we simply testing God as this man here? And so the first is our, our posture will always dictate how we approach God. It's a good indicator of are we truly submitted to God or are we just walking out this life on our own? Do we think we're the masters in control? And if you're wondering, well, how do I know my posture? Our posture will always be revealed by our priorities. So then the question is, what are my priorities? In the scripture... The man asked Jesus, what is the way to have eternal life? Jesus asks him back, he's like, you're the expert in the law, you tell me. You should know this. And in which he responds, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. But just because we know the scripture doesn't mean we will follow it. So the question is, what is our priority? It's not about what we know, it's about what we live. And so in this case, this man, was he loving Jesus to come and to test him, to try to prove that he was smarter than him? No. Even if it was the case that he's like, I don't know who this teacher is, if he was just some random guy, right? He's not showing love by trying to publicly embarrassed Jesus. And so we know that his priority does not align with the scripture in which he's just quoted, that he knows the truth of God, but he's not following it. And so then the question for us today is, what are our priorities? Are we caught up in comparison games, in a desire to pursue what the Lord has called us to, to love the Lord our God with all our hearts over mind? And to treat our neighbor as ourself? Or are we caught up in our schedules? Caught up in our comforts? Caught up in our own desires rather than God's? Because this reality will always expose where we are. What is our posture? For this man, he knew the scriptures, yet he was not following them. Even in the act of challenging Jesus. So his posture is incorrect. It's exposed by his priorities. 
Just as my priorities were exposed, exposing my posture when I dated that girl, my disciple was like, no, man, don't, don't do that. That's a bad idea for your life. That's going to lead you in places where you shouldn't go. And for three years, I would continue to date this woman. And to be perfectly honest, she's a very nice woman, still friends, but it certainly led me away from God. My priorities stopped being God's priorities. I had a ride to church, but soon would no longer desire to go to church or even spend time in God's word, let alone love my neighbor as myself. So here in this scripture, Jesus paints a picture of this reality, of our priorities, and what they could be and what they should be. After the man asked the question, well, then who is my neighbor? So Jesus tells the story of the parable. He says, a priest walks by a man who has been beaten, stripped half naked and left for dead. He walks by him and people have said, well, that priest, he walked by him because he was maybe in a rush to go to church. How often is that us? We're in a rush to go to church, to be with God's people, and yet we're not living like God's people. Our schedules are so crammed tight that we don't have time to stop and love our neighbor. And yet we come to this place and we say, this is what God wants from me. But that can't be a reality anyways because Jesus says he's going from Jerusalem to Jericho, which means he's probably leaving church. It's even worse. We're rushing out to brunch before serving our neighbors. This is a very real reality, even for my heart. And so we must ask ourselves, what is our priorities? In the same way, a Levite does the same thing. And a lot of people might ask, what's Levites, our priests, how is this guide any different? Well, there was also Levites who were like church workers as well, kind of like doing maintenance on the church, the temple. So it'd be like Mike Gaines, who works here, an amazing guy, can give you a word from the Lord, but he's the facilities director. So this is the same thing. Another church worker walks by somebody in need. And then Jesus tells of this Samaritan who comes and he stops by and he pours oil and wine on the wounds of the man. He bandages his wounds, puts him on his own donkey, takes him to an inn and takes care of him there. And this is the model for us, but we get caught up a lot of times in what did the Samaritan do? We must recognize that Jesus is answering a question. So we have to go back to what is the question? The man says, who is my neighbor? It's because if you look at the scriptures and what she's quoting when he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind, uh, and then love your neighbor as yourself. He's quoting Deuteronomy, but he's also quoting Leviticus. In Leviticus, the scriptures said to not pursue, not pursue, um, gosh, I'm blanking on the word. Anyways, the end of the scripture says, Love your people as yourself. And so the, the question would then be, okay, my people. 
the man was looking for an excuse of who are my people. Can I keep this law of loving my neighbor as myself to just other Jews? And as we see Jesus tell this story, he does not, he, he gives good detail about the other three people in the story. A priest, a Levite, a Samaritan. But the person who fought, fell among robbers, he gives no information about this man except for it's just a man. He makes it very clear that we don't get to choose who our neighbor is. and qu- Instead, Jesus changes our perspective. So the question is, what is our perspective? Because he asked the man, not who is your neighbor. I'm not answering that question. The question is, are you a neighbor? Are you a neighbor to anyone you pass by? That's what Jesus is asking the man. So then what is our perspective? Is it who do I have to help? Or is it who do I get to help? Who do I get to serve because of this love that I've experienced in Jesus Christ? Who do I get to impact because of the way that my life has been impacted? Or is it, what boxes do I have to check to make sure I go to the pearly gates? What's the checklist? That's what this man wants to know. He says, how, how can I get into heaven? And Jesus tells him, how do you read it? And he says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, you're correct. But there's a reality that we can't do that perfectly. And Jesus knew that. This expert came with much pride. He would soon be humbled by this reality that his heart could not stand up to the words he had just spoken. And so he was in need of a Savior, whether he knew it or not. Just like we, too, are in need of a Savior. And so, we must follow Christ to even be able to begin to do this, to love our neighbors as ourselves. Yet we still won't do it perfectly. But this is the characteristic of those who follow Jesus, that we would love our neighbors as ourselves, Out of the great love that we have for God and the love that we've experienced from God. And so our emotions and our spirituality, they're, they're found here. And what will it cost me? Is that our question? Is that our perspective? What will it cost me to help? Because the reality is to be a Christian is expensive. As we see from the Samaritan, it cost him oil, wine, whatever he used to bandage wounds. It cost him his time and his schedule. Wherever he was going was delayed at least a day. He stops, he takes the man to an inn, he spends the night there taking care of him. And then in the morning, he gives two denarii. cost him money. Being a Christian is incredibly expensive, but it's incredibly rewarding. So the question is, what is our perspective? Are we asking, what will it cost me? Are we looking at it from the posture of everything that I have is given to me by a God who incredibly loves me? And so nothing that is that I have is my own. Instead, it's for his purposes and his kingdom. And so it doesn't matter the cost. Because there was one who paid a cost so much greater than whatever this will cost me. 
So the question is, what is our perspective? If you've never heard this story before, a lot of people talk about the Good Samaritan, and to be honest, his work is beautiful, but this is a parable. It's just a story. We don't know if this was a story that actually happened and that Jesus is recounting something out of the expert of the law's life and that there was truly a robber who was passed by by this expert of the law, or if this is simply that, a story. But there is a truth here, a truth that is mirrored. See, because there is one who is greater than the Good Samaritan, one who would pay an exuberant exuberant cost to help someone who was deathly in need, living half dead, who was beaten. That person is us on the side of the road. We are the ones who needed someone to come alongside of us. We needed someone to step into our space and to heal us and to heal our brokenness. And that person is Jesus. It would cost him stepping down from heaven and onto earth. It would cost him 33 years. It would cost him being beat and spit on and tortured by the same people that he came to help. And he would die a sinner's death in our place. It cost him greatly. He would rise from the grave, defeating sin and death in our place. Because as I said before, we cannot hold up to this this bar of love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. We can't do it perfectly. So we had to have someone who could do it perfectly so that we could be in perfect relationship with God. Not now, but one day when he returns. But Jesus affords us an opportunity to be in relationship with God even now. And our lives should reflect that in our posture our priorities and our perspective. And so the question is, as we're on this journey, does it, is it, will it, will it reflect those things? Will our love for God draw us to him? Will we respond out of our emotions to say, God, I'm going to take these things to you like David did, like Jesus did in the garden, or will, will our emotions lead us away from him? And we say, no, th- this part of my life, God, I can't give that to you. This time, I, I'm too busy to sacrifice more of that. That is the question that is left open for us to answer today. Will we be a neighbor out of the love that we've received from God? Will it change how we interact with others. Allow me to pray for us and we'll close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you that when we were in great need and could not help ourselves, you helped us. 
God, as we leave today, let these words not pass by us, but help us to be reflective of who you are, to be changed by who you are. Heavenly Father, I lift up the Funes family and the death of Cherie and her services that were held this week. I lift up the Lathander family who lost the father, uh, grandfather. Lord, would you draw near to those in a season of loss and bring your incredible comfort and peace? Lord, I lift up those who have recently had surgery in our walls. Nancy Shyrock, who had a surgery on her eye for the second time. And Tom Warren, who had surgery as well and is battling cancer. Father, I, I lift them up to you. Only you can bring peace. Only you can heal. And so we ask that you would. And we trust you with the results. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for we know that you are good. It's in your Holy Son, Christ Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.